It is Monday, December 4th, 2023. This is a winter meetings edition of Baseball Today. That is not my man Trevor Plouffe, who is hobnobbing with all the rich and famous. That is the hardworking grinder, the one and only Jolly Olive on location in Nashville, Tennessee at the Baseball Winter Meetings. I am Chris Rose. We got producers, plural, Dan Rourke and BBD on site with us today. So Jolly will get to the winter meetings uh, much more significantly in terms of your you know, personal time and how it's been going. But this is your first taste of it. Just give me like 10, 15 seconds of what it's like. It's like a baseball nerd in a candy shop. I mean, it's just everyone you've seen on TV and you go, hey, I know that guy. And of course, there's plenty of friends here, too, which I haven't gotten to see in a while. Also, just friends you make on social media that you're meeting for the first time as well. So it's been a lot of fun in the short time that we've been here so far. And we haven't even really gotten off the ground with news related things. So I'm excited to see how things evolve once that starts happening. Very good. Well, with with uh, baseball today this week. If something big happens, we're going to break in with some sort of content. So it'll be available. So keep checking our social media channels. It'll be pushed out by all of our good people that do all that great work. Uh, Before we get to the big trade that we have had so far between the Braves and the Mariners, just a tip of the cap to Jim Leland, who is headed to the Hall of Fame. 78-year-old was named on 15 of 16 ballots in the selection process during the meeting of the Hall's Contemporary Baseball Era Committee. He, of course, won it all with the Marlins back in 97, made it to the World Series twice with the Tigers in 06 and 2012. And you can insert your cigarette smoking joke here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, long overdue is an understatement. One of the most legendary managers in the game uh, got the votes he needed. I do want to mention Lou Pinella. I hope he gets his due soon as well. He did fall one vote short. Feels like he should be amongst that group as well. Hopefully he gets his due sooner rather than later. Yeah, one other quick note on Leland. I was uh, combing through social media, and there was a picture of him and I believe his wife behind him. They were on a a bed, and there's a shot of him getting the call and everything. Number one, there had to have been like a million doused-out cigarette butts like (laughs) just below the bed. And number two, I don't think that the Lelands have gotten a new bed since 1968. I believe the ashtray was probably just off camera, just out of frame. Yeah, there you go. All right, so let's get to a trade that broke uh, late on Sunday night. Uh, The Mariners, they have been busy this offseason. They are sending Jared Kelnick and two big contracts in Marco Gonzalez and Evan White to the Braves for a pair of right-handed pitchers, Jackson Cower and uh, Cole Phillips. Um, This came five years to the day after Kelnick was the centerpiece of the deal between your beloved Mets and the Mariners for Cano and Diaz. In your opinion, Will Jared Kelnick finally live up to his massive expectations in the ATL? I think this kind of move is exactly what Kelnick needed. I mean, when you're the centerpiece of any trade, there's expectations set upon you, uh, whether you're destined to live them up or not. And Kelnick had really good strides in a Seattle Mariners uniform. He just was never able to put it together for a full season. Uh, His first two months of the 2023 season, he had an 846 OPS and 10 home runs in 53 games. Of course, things kind of fell apart in the latter half of the season, but this is exactly what he needs. He's in a lineup now full of protection. Uh, He's uh, amongst a young outfield with Ronald Acuna Jr. at 25 years old, Michael Harris II at 22 years old, and he gets to be a part of an established winning culture as well. Uh, The trade is great for the Braves. I I really don't know how Anthopolis continues to pull off these really sneaky moves that always seem to 
feel like they're benefiting the Braves more than the other side because now he gets a five starter. He fills out his outfield without needing to go to free agency. Uh, I, In my opinion, it's a slam dunk for the Braves. And uh, five years later, it looks good for the Mets as well. Well, I'll tell you how he's able to pull it off. He takes on the basically 30 million that's owed Gonzalez and White. And so if yeah. you do that, you can swing for the fences with Kelnick. I have to admit that I remember the day that, that Kelnick arrived in Seattle as a big leaguer and the way he walked to the plate in his first at bat. And, you know, we always love the shiny new toys, so I'm not going to say that I don't get sucked into the whole, you know, sort of like, ooh, he's got that. I really thought all along that Jared Kelnick had it. Whatever it is, I, I really believe that he had it. And just the way he moved and the way he carried himself, he didn't look like a kid that was 21 and swinging it for the first time in the show. And I am shocked that this is where he is in his career. I just, I cannot believe that this is where he is. And traded twice at the age of 24 is astonishing. And I think it goes to show you that whenever we hear, and we're going to hear a ton of rumors this week down there in Nashville and beyond, the number of teams that want to clutch on to their prospects and hold them dearly forever. Kelnick was consistently a top five prospect. And now here he is. He's going to be on his third team. He's not even 25, and we don't know what his major league career is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, all the tools seem to be there. The the arm right. strength, uh, the sneaky pop, the athleticism, it all seems to be there. It just hasn't clicked in a full way yet. Uh, but for him to be a marquee piece in two trades already, uh, it feels unrealistic, and yet it's the situation we're in. And now we're uh, we're afforded the opportunity to actually see Edwin Diaz versus Jared Kelenic multiple times a year with this new Mets Braves rivalry and how much they're going to be playing in the NL East. Uh, but like I said before, team control until 2029 with the Atlanta Braves. Kelnick is going to be there for a while. I think it's exactly what he needs to just kind of be a background piece instead of one of the guys that it's, that's expected to be a massive piece of a lineup day in and day out. I think it's successful if he becomes a consistently 750 OPS guy. He was basically that last year. If he can hit you close to 20 homers and steal 25 bags, that's that's pretty good production, I've got to be honest, particularly when you're the seventh most important guy in an order instead of the third most important guy. So we, I think we're both looking at this the same way. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the Atlanta Braves, John Paul Morosi of MLB Network is reporting, do not count out the Braves when you're talking about landing spots for one Shohei Otani. I know as a... Look at this through a guy who covers all 30 teams' baseball lens instead of just a guy who would sleep on the streets of Queens oh, to get of the best of the World Series for me here. Does this sound like it really could happen? I mean, the Braves, you don't think of them as huge free agency spenders. Uh, we, I think of them more as to keep your family close, you know, extension kind of team. But, I mean, you can't rule them out. Why not? I mean, back-to-back -back years of being out in the first round has to – you know, ignite something in their front office. And if that means it's going to be a Shohei Otani move, I cannot say that I'm surprised. I mean, they're in a field with some pretty unlikely teams and, you know, the Blue Jays and the Cubs. And then you have the teams you more so expect, in my opinion, with the West Coast and the Giants and the Dodgers. But yeah, if Shohei Otani wants to go to a winning ball club with a winning culture, the Atlanta Braves should be front and center. They have back-to-back -back 100 win seasons. They're coming off a World Series in 2021. Why wouldn't you want to go there? Um, it's just a matter of can the Braves match what is going to be an incredibly high asking price. And if they do, that'll probably be their move of the winter, although it's the biggest move you could possibly make. So here it, he is the biggest star in the sport. 
and we know nothing about what is most important to him. We've yeah. all tried to guess. It could be the fact that he finally wants to play meaningful games in September and October. Uh, it could be strictly about the money. It could be where he wants to play and where he's most comfortable. But for any of us to sit there, we're just literally throwing darts at a board and guessing. We have no idea. But if winning is the number one priority, I think this is far and away the best place for him. Because what Atlanta has done recently, hi, BBD, just crept into the shot. There he is. Look at him. Look at him <laughs> over your right shoulder. Wow. Is that sport code a rental, by the way, for BBD? I think he's had it for a while. Okay, that's nice. That's nice. Um, because Atlanta has built its team in a way where they have so much financial flexibility because they're getting these guys to sign massive deals and they outperform them within like 18 months. If it takes that long, usually it's like eight days by the time they outperform them. And so they have the ability to swing for the fences with this guy if they want to. Um, I don't know. I, I have to be honest. When I keep picturing Shohei in another uniform, and Angels fans, I'm sorry, but I've been doing this for a while since we knew he was going to become a free agent. I just don't see him in a Braves jersey. And I can't tell you, I don't have a good reason as to why. I, I, I don't know. I disagree. I can fully see it uh, because I see it in my nightmares all the time as a Mets fan. Uh, another all-star being added to that lineup. I mean, just just think of what that top four would be. It would be Ronald Acuna Jr., who just went 40-70 and is going to win MVP. Shohei Otani, who is going to win MVP batting second. Austin Riley and Matt Olson right behind them. That might be the greatest top four of any lineup ever assembled in baseball history. You can Possible. certainly put that up there in the conversation. So if you're the Braves front office, of course you have to be thinking about it. You've been fiscally spending for the past three or four years making smart moves uh, and making sure you have the money to extend your guys and you know keep your front office in a healthy state to make a move like this, to go all out and make sure that you can become you know the dynasty you once were in the 90s, except this time win all those World Series instead. So I fully believe Morosi in his report that the Braves are very much engaged. And it terrifies me because, uh, you know, teams like the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Giants, that's fully where I expected Shohei to end right. up. And now they've got some intense competition on their hands. Yeah, I do think the Braves are in on this. And I do think the Chicago Cubs are probably in on this. And I definitely think that the Toronto Blue Jays are in on this as well. Uh, one other aspect of the Atlanta equation here, you got to keep your eyes on. Max Fried is entering, I believe, the last year of his deal. Correct. We know that Shohei will not be available to pitch here in the 2024 season. Now, he'll be a two-time Tommy John recipient, so we're not exactly sure what Shohei will look like when he's back on the mound in 2025. But you don't think that Atlanta is thinking about that, that the plane runways, while one is taking off, another one is coming in to land on the mound? I think that's a big part of this equation for them as well. Definitely. Starting pitching is at a premium price. We all know that at this point. So if you can get that going without, you know, necessarily giving Max Fried this massive contract that he's going to be due next year, that's something that they're definitely thinking about. And uh, something that our listeners at home should be thinking about, especially if they're Braves fans, is getting their tickets in line for next year. And you can do that with SeatGeek, the sponsor of today's Baseball Today episode. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. With over 28 million downloads, they are the number one rated ticketing app. And it's no surprise why. You don't have to be a sports fan if you want to use it either. They got concerts. 
concerts, festivals, and more Broadway shows if you're into that thing as well. That's all available on SeatGeek. They have over 70,000 events uh, available daily. Uh, and every event ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return tickets ahead of the event with swaps. And right now we can hook you up with a promo code. Use code TODAY, as in baseball today, for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. $20 off your first purchase with promo code TODAY. Click the link in our description. Download the app. It's easy to use. And you can get started with SeatGeek right now using our promo code. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode of Baseball Today. We continue on with news that broke uh, last week a little bit and finally became official that the Brewers have signed their top prospect and a perennial top five prospect over the last couple of years. Jackson Chirillo, eight years, $82 million before he ever plays a Major League Baseball game. The kid is 19 years old and 805 OPS with 22 bombs and 43 steals in less than 130 games split between double and triple A last season, but he was barely in triple A. So we asked the question, is this crazy or crazy smart? It's an interesting question. I mean, the instant place that my mind went to was the Corbin Carroll extension that the Diamondbacks set up last year, which is looking like an all-time great move by that front office who had made a ton of great moves that led them to the World Series. That was an eight-year, $111 million deal, so a little bit of a larger scale there. Uh, the thing that stands out to me, though, is that Carroll at least got a taste of big league action. He played in 32 games. He looked good in those 32 games, and I think that's why they you know, ultimately made the decision to risk it and make an extension there. Chirillo, you don't, I mean, you know what you're getting. It's the number two prospect in baseball, of course, and the Brewers are setting themselves up to, you know, enter kind of a new era with, you know, shedding all these contracts and trying to shop players like Corbin Burns, which we'll get to. Uh, Chirillo is supposed to be the guy that's leading them into this new era. So I guess you want to lock him up and make sure that he's, he's a part of that as long as possible. Uh, but, you know, $82 million to a guy that's never played a game in the major league level you know, it's going to raise some eyebrows. So I, I'm definitely intrigued at this 19-year-old who's certainly going to make his debut next year. Um, Luis Robert Jr., this is another guy we saw with uh, getting this kind of extension before he played in a major league game. Obviously, he looked fantastic last year, um, and every prospect is going to be different. But I think the Brewers are making a safe bet. It's a smart front office. They must know the talent that they have on their hands, but it's going to be up to this kid to execute at the major league level now. Okay, so a few differences between the two guys you mentioned sure. who have turned into outstanding major league outfielders. Luis Roberts' guarantee was $50 million. I know people will say, well, come on, and we're talking about baseball money. What's the difference? Well, for the Milwaukee Brewers, who feel like they're at times cash-strapped, which has prevented them from making big moves at the trade deadline, and probably you're going to see a major teardown with their team this offseason because of it, $30, $32 million, whatever it is, that ain't anything to sneeze at. Yeah. Number two, with Corbin Carroll, you made the point that he came up at the end of the 22 season. He had an 830 OPS in slightly over 30 games. So we're talking about a little bit more than a month exposure at the major league level. But he was around the team. They could see what sort of kid he was on a day-in, day-out basis, how he dealt with success, how he dealt with failure. And I know that it's still it was still only, whatever, 30-plus games. But to at least have that feeling. As a, and I'm not counting a 19-year-old out. It's just the other thing is that Corbin Carroll was 22. He was a little more physically mature. You're more emotionally mature at 22 than you are 19, most people. Once again, I don't know anything about this kid. He might be the most wonderful kid ever, and I am hoping that he bypasses that contract by miles and miles and miles. But if, you, if you're saying anything other than it's a huge risk, I think you're the one that's crazy. 
because it is it is for a team that has such a thin margin of error when it comes to finances you're talking about close to 100 million dollars for a teenager that is whoo yeah i mean he instantly becomes the second highest paid player on the team behind the former mvp christian yelich so you really are banking on this kid and it's kind of what we talked about a little bit with Kelnick before of expectations are instantly being placed on you. Of course, that was already the case being the number two prospect in baseball, but now you have this price tag also attached to you. And, you know, this, this kind of means that I'm not saying that a guy like Churio is going to be comfortable. I don't feel comfortable saying that, not knowing the kid and not knowing what he's capable of, but you know, when you're already making that kind of major league money at that level, maybe it does take some of the stress off. I think it kind of goes both ways there, but the expectations are going to be set upon him. I'm sure that the Brewers are fully in knowledge that they're not going to be competing in the near window. I think that previous window of making the playoffs every year from the NL Central has closed for them, and they're operating and preparing for that. But yeah, they're going to be relying heavily on this kid for the next eight or so years, possibly more with the options at the end of this contract. So the pressure is officially on this 19-year-old. I want to make two more points about this team. Uh, one with Sharia, and you said, it, is the pressure on him? Is it off of him? I have talked to a ton of major leaguers who received extensions well before they were ever going to become a free agent. I can't tell you the number of guys who told me they felt so much more pressure the minute they got the extension. You would okay. think it works the other way because they've got the guaranteed dollars. They right. don't have to worry about that. What they all said was that the organization put so much faith in them and belief in them that they wanted to repay it tenfold. And so they started to feel that grind on them more and more. I always found it interesting. I'm sure there's some guys who look at it a different, totally different way that, yeah, I got my guaranteed dollars. I'm nice and relaxed. I could just be a baseball player. I don't also have to be a businessman. But I'm just telling you that there's a bunch of guys I've talked to regarding that. The other thing is, I think the Milwaukee Brewers are going to provide us as baseball fans with as much fun as any team. I would tear this whole thing down. I would get rid of Burns. I would get rid of Devin Williams. I would... Definitely poke around on Yelich. I would get rid of Willie Adamas. I would strip it all down because by the time the Cheerio is ready and mature, maybe a bunch of the prospects we're getting back in all these deals, they can all grow up together and maybe be like the Kansas City Royals of you know 2014 or 2015 or something or like the that. Of Braves of right now potentially. Yeah, I mean, I I think they've gone about it a little bit different. But yes, sure. I mean, I mean that's the goal to to see that sort of finish line. Um. But, yeah, go do that for us, Brewers. Make a lot of news for us in the offseason. Speaking of which, uh, Corbin Burns, we know that he's likely on the trade block. Uh, Padres reportedly sniffing around on him. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Guardians are reportedly dangling, dangling their all-star closer, Emmanuel Classe. Which of that grabs your attention a little more? I, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, obviously, Corbin Burns is the headline-grabbing one, former Cy Young. But I think we all kind of knew – uh, the status of the Brewers going into this offseason of, okay, there's going to be a huge roster transformation going into this offseason. The Guardians, this is kind of how they operate. They've traded starters before, and they've looked like the winners of those trades coming out on the other side. But Emmanuel Classic really raised my eyebrow. I mean, I know the guy's coming off not a fantastic year after mm-hmm. being arguably the best closer in baseball in 2022 alongside Edwin Diaz. Um, but it it does feel like they're they're cutting the cord on him a little soon. This guy's still under team control until 2027. 
And, you know, he's still locked down 44 saves with a solid ERA and great strikeout numbers. So I think a lot of teams are going to be in on him, especially with this relief relief pitching market looking like it could be very costly. Josh Hader said that he did want to try and beat Edwin Diaz's record setting deal. So that's the kind of price you're looking at for an elite caliber closer. Uh, also, part of me is intrigued by this. I did tweet this a couple of days ago because this potentially means that the Kenny Lofton trade tree will be extended even further for a sixth <laughs> Kluber, then to Jake Westbrook, and then uh, Lofton a little bit further back uh, after David, uh, David Justice. But uh, I still think the Guardians are making a bit of a perplexing move here because it doesn't necessarily feel like they're that far away from regaining the top of the AL Central, especially with the Twins fully admitting, hey, we're cutting payroll. We're not going to be very active. Um, so uh, I think Class A grabbed my attention a little bit more. So the Guardians and the Indians back in the day when John Hart was their main executive, I believe he had a line about, hey, you could shake a tree and a new closer will fall out. <laughs> I'm not so sure I believe that, but there's been enough guys around that organization for decades that have probably heard that those lines uttered somewhere inside those walls. And um, I think maybe that's where this is coming from. Now, with Class A, right, you, you said that, Josh Hader's the guy who wants to set the high watermark. I understand that. So the positives, if you're trading for a guy like Emmanuel Classe, he's in his mid-20s. Next year, he's going to make less than $3 million. The year after that, less than $5 million. Then six point four, And then a pair of $10 million options with a pair of $2 million buyouts, if you don't like what you're buying there. So you got that. He has also made 70 appearances in each of the last three years. 70 plus. So yes. he's healthy. The bad news is he's not as much of a strikeout artist as you think he is. Like with a guy who throws 102 and a cutter at that, you think that he should be striking out the world. He does not. In fact, his strikeout rate last year went from 28.4% down to 21%. That is a huge drop-off. And, you know, listen, we watch as much Guardians baseball as anybody in the country in this house. And Josh and Brady, my two sons, they look at me and they're like, how the hell is he the most hittable 102-mile-an-hour thrower? Like, <laughs> everybody puts the ball in play. And last year, they bail barreled him up. So he did not have a good year, even though he led uh, the American League in saves. Second straight year, he blew 12 saves, and he just looked more hittable. So if they're dangling him out there, I think they know something that we don't. And I would be okay with it as long as they got a power-hitting corner outfielder. I mean, we saw them kind of do this with Clevenger and other starters in the past where I think they, they kind of realize that, you know, they're maybe expected for a decline or something like that. And maybe it's speaking volumes through those strikeout numbers. Um, and the Guardians have demonstrated a really good bullpen, especially from that 2022 yes. season. They've got weapons back there that they can replace him with. But I don't know, man. He's only he's going to turn 26. That arm is still live. He's a ground ball specialist, too. Maybe a team with a really solid defensive infield scoops him up and gets him back where he needs to be. But yeah, I could see that move coming together and I could see dozens of teams that are going to be interested. Yes. Who wouldn't be interested in a relief pitching weapon at the back of their bullpen? Who's cost controlled. Who's cost controlled. Yep. I, I think that's a that, that's a fascinating one. When I heard it, it didn't totally knock me silly because I was like, ah, this is what the Guardians do a little bit. Uh, the Guardians, though, last year got torched on a couple of trades for position players. If they get torched on this one, then the front office is going to have their feet held to the fire. All oh, right, yeah. before we get out of here, uh, do you have a great story from the winter meetings yet? Is it somebody you ran into, somebody you met, somebody who was like, you're Jolly Olive, you're the guy that took Jimmy O'Brien deep in a walk-off. I mean, what 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 was it? 
Uh, a lot of people uh, just getting to meet for the first time uh, was really, really cool. A lot of people are here to just kind of network and look for any opportunities, which I, I commend those people because that must be a tough thing, kind of walking in yes. when you don't really know anyone and uh, just starting up conversations. Um, we have had a couple of people that were John Boy Media fans come up and say that they love the JM Baseball content. We have heard mention of a couple walk-off home runs. I wasn't going to bring that up, but, you know, Rosie, he loves raising that topic. Uh, it's been great so far, and it's only really getting started. A lot of people are still rolling through and just getting their credentials now, so I'm sure we'll have plenty of great other stories to tell. And uh, I'm sure as soon as some news surfaces, we'll be back on this podcast to relay all that and do an emergency episode. Yes. Um, actually, the winter meetings is where my relationship with Jimmy and Jake began. I think I met them in the lobby, I want to see in, say, in San Diego a few years ago, and that was the – I. I believe that was the first time that I met him. And Did you then, know who they were prior? Yeah, I knew who they were. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't listen to a ton of their content and know it, but I but I knew who they were and what they were about. So, but boy, have I made that switch. Now oh. I've got my eyes squarely focused on those two dudes all I the time. Much of them on my day to day basis. Absolutely. I mean, I I am just combing through their social media to see where they're <laughs> traveling and what they're doing and. You know, like Jake, he's become this hoity-toity, rich and famous dude that. now. What's you know? he doing down there? Yeah, well, whereas Jimmy's a man of the people, taking his family <laughs> to Disney World. You know, Jake's out there in the highfalutin world, probably flying on private jets, all sorts of stuff. So, um, once again, Jolly made the point. Let's not gloss it over. If something huge happens, we will take care of it, whether it's a 10-minute episode, 15, if we got to go 30 or an hour or whatever it takes, if it's that big a story, you know, if you need more Juan Soto news, you can check out our Talking Yanks, and those guys have it covered, et cetera, et cetera. But we are going to be doing this on Tuesday as well, right? We are. Okay, awesome. I love that part of it. So special shout-out to BBD, our producer on site, looking mighty dapper with the coat. Yeah, they're all oh, look at that. Look at the haircut. Oh, Do yeah. Do have class photos today? <laughs> oh, gosh, he looks good. Our first and, and Dan Rourke, our one-of-a-kind Dan Rourke. For Jolly Olive, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Tuesday on Baseball Today.